The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Welcome to June's Home Cinema Podcast. Coming up, we talk picture perfect. And joining me on the podcast tonight are Mark Hodgkinson, Steve Weathers, and the boss, Stuart Wright. Good evening, guys. Hi, Phil. Phil. Hi, Phil. Bit of a special Home Cinema Podcast this month, and apologies that we were not around last month. Uh, The reason for that is the Picture Perfect campaign. We've been working behind the scenes very hard last month, which meant we couldn't bring you the podcast. And this month, we're going to tell you all about it. And I guess the best person to go to to give us an overview of what Picture Perfect is is Stuart. So, Stuart, what is Picture Perfect? Okay, it's a campaign that we're running to uh, make people aware that TVs aren't set up ideally out of the box. And they can, the picture can be improved significantly with just a few tweaks. We've provided some videos and guides to help people do that. Now, this is not calibration, as it were. Obviously, this is aimed at a much wider audience than than just the, the uh, normal AV Forums member who's maybe a little bit more clued up on how their TV works and so on. Uh, this is definitely aimed at the mass market, possibly your, your parents and so on who are not technically minded, but it's a nice, easy thing to help them improve the picture. Yes, we've uh, definitely tried to make it as easy as possible um, using terminology which everybody we hope can understand. We ran a poll actually on the forums to ask how many people had set their TVs up. And of course, the AV Forums audience had, in the most part, done that. Whereas um, the poll that we ran with Mori said that um, about half people asked hadn't set their TVs up. So um, we're well aware that uh, this is something that needs addressing. And we've tried to do it in such a way that we can reach the biggest portion of people. Now, Obviously, we're not the first people to do this type of thing. This has been done over the years, not just on AV forums, but other websites have done their examples of this type of thing. But we kind of found after the gadget show that that people were still not sure how to do things. They're maybe not tech savvy enough to go and search things out on the Internet. So the idea was to pull all the resources together, all the manufacturers together, all the standards specialists together in one place so we could get that information out. Yep, and um, I think we're in a a unique position because AV Forums is and always has been independent. So we have the same relationship with all the manufacturers and retailers, distributors, industry bodies. And so when we ask them to pull together to work with us on a a cause which is as good as this, um, the response has been uh, overwhelming. It's fantastic. So it's funny that you mentioned terminology, Stuart, in your answer there, because it's it has been the hardest thing over the last couple of months that we've been preparing this, putting videos together, writing the text for the guides and so on. And Steve's written the, the, the vast majority of uh, the text that's on the site. Steve, I guess the hardest part is is getting the terminology right so you're attracting the widest audience and, and they can understand what it is that we're actually talking about. Yeah, that's right, Phil. I mean, just like any other industry, there's an awful lot of jargon that gets used. You know, we take it for granted because we, we've done the training and, and we understand it. But of course, the average person isn't going to know a lot, what a lot of terms that we think are quite straightforward actually mean. Uh, and so one of the tasks really has been um, 
taking this jargon and this terminology and, and converting it into something that um, the average mass market person can understand, making it more accessible to a mass market. And, um, you know, it, sometimes it can be quite difficult. You think, well, you know, how else can I put that in, in terms that is going to be accessible to a mass market? And, and, and you kind of have to think about uh, approaching it. I think the way I always looked at it was, well, what would my grandmother think? <laughs> how can I explain it to my grandmother as being the best approach to try and simplify something to its very basic terms? And then taking it from there on, because obviously this is step one of the process. And, and the idea is to make this as, as mass market accessible as possible, which means that absolutely anybody, someone who knows a lot about TVs or someone who knows absolutely nothing about TVs, can, can read this, um, read, the, read the step one page, read the home page, watch the videos and then go away and hopefully be able to do a couple of small basic, um, you know, basic changes to their TV that will improve their picture immeasurably from what they were watching before. Um, and obviously, when we move on to further steps, you know, it will become more complex than that. And we'll go into some other areas of television setup. But in the initial stages are, are very much very basic, um, very simple steps. In fact, basically two simple steps that you can take to improve your picture quality. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly looking at the um, the Mori poll. And I wasn't some of the some of the results we got, I kind of, I kind of expected. But I was quite surprised that 50 percent of the people hadn't done anything at all to their TV. You know, literally just taken it out of the box and turned it on. Um, you know, you kind of think they might have had a little bit of a fiddle, but actually it looks like, you know, 48%, I think it is, didn't do anything at all to their TV. So we all know from our experience of uh, reviewing TVs and from seeing TVs in shops as well, you know what the settings are out of the box quite often. They tend to be the dynamic modes, the vivid modes, the very, very bright, very uh, colourful modes that are very attractive in a shop, but look very different when you're sat in your, in your front room, particularly when you're sat in your front room in the evenings so um so i found that quite interesting also a lot of people you know said that they felt that um tv's manuals uh, weren't very informative and that perhaps they were found some of the terms used by the manufacturers confusing and i can understand that too uh you know every manufacturer has different names for the same thing which can be confusing and some of the names aren't intuitive to be honest um and that's certainly true of one of the things we, we look at in step one which is which is aspect ratio because if you look at aspect ratio Quite often people will select 16 to 9 and why not that seems like the most obvious one to choose because it's a 16 to 9 tv and you can't blame them the you know the consumer for choosing that setting although quite often for a high definition signal that isn't the right setting to choose um so things like that hopefully we can help you know clear that up make it make it more easier for people to understand and, and as you say phil break through that jargon break through that terminology and get to to the core issues now mark you came uh, into the industry in a slightly different way to myself and, and Steve. Well, it was kind of the same way, but but uh, certainly accelerated a lot more than perhaps me and Steve came into it. Um, you were a normal forum member for a number of years, um, and then you got interested in TVs and so on. Do you think there's a there's a step that, that users have to take to get over the fear factor, i.e., you know, if I mess this control up, I'm going to mess my picture up and I'm going to ruin my new TV? Well, I guess so. Yeah, but I think the thing is, like we like we're uh, trying to set it out. It's uh, stepping stones, isn't it? So you, if you get them to change one or two things, they'll, they'll uh, start to lose the fear factor. But I guess the the important thing here, Stuart, and it's certainly something that we got back at the gadget show when we did that a couple of months back now, three or four months back now. Uh, speaking to people and asking them how they'd set their TV up and and whether happy with the picture and so on, the 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 overall feedback that we generally got from that was that. Uh, either people didn't know what to do or they were just too scared to do anything with the TV in case they, they made a change and they couldn't get it back to how it was. 
Yeah, I was quite surprised how many people said they hadn't actually um, set it up at all, the picture that is. They'd just got a TV out, put it on, on the stand, switched it on, and that was it. Um, those that said they had um, set it up basically described it as tweaking the brightness and contrast a bit. Um, and that's as far as we got. I think actually I spoke to a couple of people and they very knowingly said, oh, yes, um, I calibrated it or I got somebody in to do it. But they were very much in the minority. Most people, if they'd set it up at all, they'd done what I think what, um, let's not uh, beat around the bush here, what most blokes do. Um, because one of the results of our survey was that um, m men are much more likely to set up TVs than women. But what most blokes do is just they grab the remote and they have a play with the brightness and the contrast and the color a little bit and without, um, shall we say, any expertise in um, what, what constitutes um, a nicely calibrated um, picture. Um, in other words, setting it up to eye, to their own personal taste, which is fine. It's their TV. They can set it up however they like. But, um, you know, our goal is to try and get t um, TV pictures which are close to um, the standard so that people are actually, um, you know, getting a decent quality picture. And um, fr from our ex experiences at the Gadget Show, hardly anybody had actually got that. Of course, we're coming from quite an insular uh, community on AV forums where, um, you know, the people that generally come to AV forums, they're already into technology, they're, they already have a basic understanding or they've, a lot of members have a, an expert understanding of, of this technology. So um, I think the Gadget Show really sort of opened our eyes a bit, Steve, didn't it, to the mass market out there and, and just how um, people were not getting the best out of their TVs through no fault of their own. Yeah, no, it's true, Phil. I mean, you're right. Obviously, the majority of people that currently come to AV forums are um, tend to be the enthusiast and people that are tech savvy. Uh, and some of the people that we met at, at um, the Gadget Show were, you know, were more forum members and were quite savvy. And some of the questions we had were, were you know, were, were very knowledgeable. But there is, of course, you know, the mass market the majority of people who perhaps aren't, you know, as tech savvy as as, as people who come to AV forums on a regular basis. Uh, and yeah, you're right. They, they look at uh, the TV, they look at the manual, they look at all the selections and controls, and they do find it daunting. And I can understand that. Um, and and obviously, the whole reason behind this campaign is to try and demystify this a little bit uh, and make it more accessible to people. Because the interesting thing is um, that the majority of manufacturers. You know, do produce a, a picture mode on their TVs that it, that is uh, aimed at the industry standards, uh, and it it's got, comes by different different names, but predominantly it's called movie or cinema, um, and or THX if you've got a THX certified TV, uh, and and th those those modes are almost always um, designed to re you know reflect industry standards, uh, and we know from testing them, Mark and myself and you, Phil, we know that um, on the whole those. Um, presets those um those you know those those movie or, or cinema modes tend to be pretty close uh, you know not i'm not saying that they're perfect but they're certainly in the ballpark so just by selecting cinema or 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 movie or thx on your tv you're going to get an image that is pretty close to industry standards before you've done anything else you know you have, before you've even touched brightness or contrast or color controls um and I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people just don't know, you know, and, and that's if we can just get that message across with, with um, this campaign, that'll be a major step forward in terms of understanding how TVs work. And the fact that there is already on their TV a preset, you know, pre-calibrated by the manufacturer in the factory that is going to get their TV, at, you know, close to industry standards uh, on the whole. Uh, and I think that's in itself. Steve, is do you think um, yeah. that, that one of the... Um 
problems that, that might exist here is, is the name of that preset. I mean, naming it cinema or movie might um, uh, put people off using it f for, you know, normal uh, EastEnders or Jeremy Kyle type viewing um, and, and, and think that that's, that's only good for watching movies. Do you think, do you think it's, the naming convention is less than helpful? Well, it's not, yeah, just, it's that, not, just, it's not just consumers. It's, it's manufacturers that get that wrong. Um, just look at any Panasonic manual, uh, their THX certified TVs. Um, look at what it says about THX certification, and it tells you only use this mode when you're watching a THX certified DVD, which we all know is wrong, and, and that's the manufacturer. So I'm not surprised that you know consumers get the wrong idea out of all these names, various names that are used for what's basically the same setting. So can we clarify that then, that that cinema or movie mode should be used all the time. Yes. Yeah, to, to clarify, um, the cinema or movie mode or THX mode on a TV uh, is, is calibrated towards certain standards, Rec 709 for color and D65 for, for the color of white, color temperature. Now, those standards are used in TV, so broadcast TV, um, they're used for DVD and they're used for Blu-ray. So any of the content that you're likely to be watching on, on your TV will be mastered to those standards. And therefore, you ideally want your TV to reflect them. And therefore, the best options are movie, cinema, or THX. But you're absolutely right, Stuart, and, and Phil's right too, that the um, the naming, um, you know, naming them things like cinema or, or movie can be misleading. And certainly, a lot of the manuals are misleading. One of the things that came out of the, uh, the Mori poll was people found the the manuals confusing. And I can't, I don't, I, I've read them as part of the review process. And sometimes I think, what the hell does that mean? You know, even I'm struggling to understand some of the manuals. So how the poor guy in the street can understand them is beyond me sometimes. We, we've been in meetings with, uh, with, with engineers from the manufacturers. And we've asked them what this, this does. And sometimes they don't even know. No. So the guys that build the TVs don't know. <laughs> Not what surprised. To do. You've got to wonder how the poor guy in the street's ever going to know. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing that gets in the way is that um, at the end of the day, this is a business. Um, companies have to sell TVs. Now, we, we would like all TVs to, to look the best out of the box, but that's never going to happen because in, in a competitive showroom, um, manufacturers have to set up their TV so it's going gonna, it's gonna to wow whoever comes into that showroom. Um, and be the one that stands out as being the brightest and most colourful image. Um, that's how it works in, in the industry, and it's worked like that for the last 30-odd years. Um, it's always been the same, and I guess it'll always will be the same because the marketing groups that have to sell the TVs, they have to come up with yellow pixels and other things like that, like mm. super bright colours and, and, and so on, which we all know is a nonsense when it comes to you know, a picture, as long as it's set up to the standards, that's all you need. But unfortunately, the general public, and it's not their fault because all they see is super bright images, super bright colours, and, and automatically think that that's how a TV should look and that's how a picture sh should look. And without a direct comparison and, and actually be, being shown what the differences are, then you can't blame the public. But hopefully, well, hopefully the videos that we've done where we do have side-by-side -side comparisons, and they are based on actual measurements of TV modes, hopefully, educationally, that should start to show the differences and, and show people that, that images can be uh, a lot better. And let's face it, the technology nowadays uh, that people have in the, in the living rooms is really good quality. I mean, even, even TVs that maybe don't get a great review in AV forums, the technology behind the, that stuff is still first class. Well, 
Yeah, the the videos that 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 um, you've created there, Phil. I mean, they they they've got an enormous impact, and it's it's easy to see the the disadvantage in having um, dynamic or vivid over cinema or movie. The, the the problem, as I see, it, is the fact that TVs come set up by default out of the box in dynamic or vivid mode, and and of course when people have got used to seeing that, and then you 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 know you have to go into a friend's house and say, oh. You know, you, you, I, I don't know what you guys are like, but if I go into a friend's house and it's obviously in vivid or, or dynamic mode, it's 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 my eyes start bleeding and I, and I start causing a disproportionate amount of fuss. And I, you know, I I I barge the wife out of the way, grab the remote, and start yeah. and start putting it into the right mode. Yeah. And they don't like that because oh, that's not as bright as it used to be. And and as soon as I've gone out, they start my ears start burning and they turn it back to vivid or dynamic again. Now, if the TV's arrived in movie or cinema, we wouldn't have that problem. What TVs come, am I right in saying that some TVs come and when you first set them up, they ask if they're, they should start in yeah. shop mode or home mode. What TVs ma- do that? The yeah. majority of them do. Most of them do now. Yeah, most of them do, but they still default to, to dynamic. No- and, generally normal or dynamic, yeah. And, and unfortunately, Stuart, um, the, the thing that manufacturers are also scared of, and, and we're not having a go at manufacturers, we're just obviously stating the facts here, is that, that their customer service hotlines suddenly uh, start burning red because people get the TVs out of the box if it's set in cinema mode, and they're suddenly saying, well, it's not as bright and colourful as it was in the shop, it must be broken, come and take it back, which does happen. Yeah. You've got you, that's anecdotal evidence of that, have you? Uh, yeah, um, and and obviously, you know, sometimes the, there's issues that are raised on AV forums, and we speak to customer service uh, sections of of various companies uh, because we got good relationships there, and and we can ask the questions. Look, our guys are having problems with this. Can can you um, give us a, a clue or give us an answer? Um, but also, I've had I've had them tell us. Look, sometimes people take the TV out of the box and. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. They've just hit it into the wrong mode and suddenly think that it, it it's broken. Now, again, you can't point fingers at, at the general public. How are they to know? But that does happen. And I think if, if TVs were to come in cinema mode, um, because it's the one thing that people that go through Picture Perfect are going to notice straight away is the drop in brightness. But the drop in brightness is correct. But it's because we're so used to having... Uh, bright images, uh, vivid colours thrown in our faces every day of the week. Um, the, 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 it, it's almost counterintuitive to go to a correct picture from vivid mode. And that's why we say in, in the Picture Perfect campaign, you know, give it a couple of days, set it into cinema mode, trust us, watch it for a few days, let your eyes adjust to it, see all the detail that you're actually missing in dynamic mode, and then try and go back to dynamic mode and you'll notice that just how wrong it is. It's yes, nice and bright and colourful, but you're actually losing a lot of your your picture there. Um, yeah, that's a very interesting point because um, if if and it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily has to be that long either. I, I think that if you let people watch just for say half an hour to an hour in cinema or movie mode, and and let them get used to it a little bit, and then you change it back and see what their reaction is. Yeah, uh, we did this experiment. When was it? Probably about 2007, 2008 at Bristol. It was the year that we had uh, Eric over from AV Foundry, um, which was a calibration device. But we also had three TVs set up. We had one which was calibrated correctly, 
and then the other two that were in dynamic modes. So this is the Bristol Sound and Vision Show? This was the Bristol Sound and Vision Show. Uh, we did this this experiment. So th this was part of the experiment, and then we moved on to showing them the device and how the device could improve their TVs. And every group that came in, uh, they were showing the matrix on these three screens. One was calibrated, the other two were in uh, the various dynamic modes. Um, and we asked them to pick out the best picture. And uh, nine out of ten people that would go in the room, they would all pick the brightest, most colourful and most wrong image straight away. Now, it's um, an interesting term that you use there, Phil, wrong. Yes. Is there such a thing as right and wrong when it comes to TV picture? Yes. And uh, I, I think it was your good self that looked up the definition of correct um, the other the other <laughs> night in the in the dictionary, and it says to a standard. Um, so unlike audio, which has no standards, pictures do have a standard, and there is a science behind it. Um, so you can use the terminology wrong and correct. Now, when it comes to personal preference, people can do what they like. They pay their money, they get their TV, they can do what they like with it. Um, and who are we to tell them otherwise? But if they want the best out of that equipment then obviously they can set up to the standards. And like I say, in this experiment that we did, it wasn't until we, we actually pointed out that, look, this is how the filmmaker made the, the movie. They're in the Matrix. It should have a green tint. And the two TVs in dynamic mode were blue. And we pointed this out. White levels were blue. We then pointed out how much detail was missing. Then pointed out how many artefacts were in the image. Now, artefacts are things that shouldn't be there. Uh, anything that shouldn't be in the image is an artefact. Um, you could see compression issues. You could see uh, edge enhancement because obviously the sharpness was turned up full. Uh, you were losing detail. It was only after five minutes of pointing out these details and then going back to the people in the room and saying, right, so which one do you think has the best image? And then everybody you know, went for the calibrated TV. So that was interesting. But where does Joe Public get to see a calibrated image, an uncalibrated image, and then have that pointed out to them. Because I think unless you start pointing things out to people, then they don't really understand what it is you're talking about. But as soon as you say, well, look at the colour of white, it's not actually white, it's blue. Then they start to click on and then they start to, to understand, yeah, you're right, we're missing detail, doesn't look right. I think uh, it requires um, some kind of indication, some comparison like we've done with the little pointy finger saying, look, you're missing this detail. I think it needs something like that because, um, well, of course, you know, people aren't experts in, in TV pictures. They just want to sit down and enjoy the program at the end of the day. Don't we all? Um, you know, there's a certain type of person, those that, that, that visit AV forums who take a particular interest in, in the picture and the sound in a home cinema, the whole experience, and, and we'll, you know, invest a bit of time um, looking into that some more because we're interested in it. You can't, you can't in any way, you know, criticize people for not knowing this stuff. I haven't got a clue what happens under the bonnet of my car. I'm not really interested as long as it gets me from A to yeah. B. But if somebody was to say to me, well, you know, there's a button on the dashboard here. And if you were to press that button, your car would do, um, you know, 10 mile an hour uh, uh, faster and would have better fuel economy, are you interested in doing it? I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I didn't know you'd do that. I'd press the button straight away. Yeah, I mean, totally don't get us the wrong way and, and don't get my comments there the wrong way either. It was, you, you can't point fingers at people that, that don't know what the difference is. And like you say, until it's actually pointed out, then you can you can start to change attitudes. And, and hopefully, I mean, the whole idea of Picture Perfect and step one of Picture Perfect is to get people out of dynamic mode. 
and into into a mode where they're going to have a more comfortable experience and they're going to get the performance that they've actually paid for with their TV. They're actually going to see what's on screen. But they don't have to do it. Nobody's holding a gun to their head and saying, you will do this. Uh, but hopefully, people will take the message on. Um, and, and I guess it's, it's awareness. Yeah, uh, raise awareness of anything and, and you'll get supporters, you'll get people come on board and you'll get people who, who want to know more. You used an interesting term there, actually, Phil, that we've used in the campaign, and that's the view will be more comfortable. Steve, in your experience, um, is watching a TV that's, that's not set up correctly uh, particularly uncomfortable? Yes, it certainly can be, particularly if your TV's too bright in a, and you're watching it in the evening, because it tends to be if you're watching TV, and most people watch TV in the evening, let's be honest, because you're at work during the day, you get home at night. If it's winter months, it's going to be dark when you get home. You're sitting in your lounge, you've got some subdued lighting on and your TV. And if your TV's too bright, you've got the TV image going from bright to dark, bright to dark, bright to dark all the time. And your eye's looking at that and the pupil on your eye is constantly dilating and contracting as the image gets brighter and darker. Over a couple of hours, that can become very fatiguing because, you know, your, your eye, you know, isn't meant to be doing that much work, particularly not in the evening when you're trying to relax. And and so a, a correctly set up TV image, um, one that is you know, less bright, but more natural, uh, it will be far more comfortable to watch over a prolonged period of time, and especially uh, at night when, when, when the rest of the lighting in the room is, is much dimmer. Um, and that's something that I think people don't quite appreciate. Quite a lot of people find, probably find they go to bed in the evenings, you know, maybe feel a bit, you know, got a bit fatigued and a bit tired and, and think, well, I've been watching TV, why do I feel tired? Um, and that's probably one of the reasons is to just that their eyeballs have been doing a lot more work than they probably would should normally be doing, particularly late in an evening when they're when the body's trying to wind down and relax. And that's just generally because TVs are, as Phil's already mentioned, and we've already mentioned, out of the box, they're just too bright. They're too bright for a home environment. Fine for a shop floor with lots of bright fluorescent lighting and everything's really white. That's fine. But when you get it home in your lounge in the evening, you don't want your TV that bright. And and People will obviously, as Phil said, they, you know, they're not. They, this is an educational process as much as anything else, making, making them aware of the fact that, that a bright image is not necessarily the best image. Um, and certainly over time, as you said, Stuart, if they if they watch a, a calibrated or, or rather if they select the movie or cinema mode and watch a more accurate image, they're slightly dimmer, but but therefore more accurate with more detail and less uh, you know fatiguing to look at. Over a couple of days, they'll realise that, that that is is a far more comfortable and more far more enjoyable experience. Um, and, and they'll find it very difficult to go back to the previous settings. Well, I, I guess the the analogy you could use there, Steve, is is sitting in a room looking at a light bulb because at the end of the day, it, you know, TV gives off light, um, and and you wouldn't necessarily go in and watch a light bulb being turned off or dimmed up and down, uh, really brightly and then really darkly. You yeah. just wouldn't do it. Um, if I stuck a flat a torch in your face and flashed it on and off for an hour, <laughs> you'd probably get a bit tired of it. And it's the same, basically the same principle. You're looking at, a, particularly an LCD TV, which tends to have a very bright backlight, or can be very bright. But those TVs are, you know, are, are running uh, near to full brightness. That's a very, very bright image to, to be looking at, particularly in a darkened room. Another point is, if you've got an LED or an LCD, it doesn't have to be a dim image and... and um inaccurate you can have an accurate image that's actually fairly bright yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and of course the you know it's there's no hard and fast rules to this uh, either because we haven't touched on it yet but maybe we should quickly touch on it here while we're talking about this and this is the environment in which you're watching the tv and like you said steve i think it's it's fairly accurate to say that um maybe maybe the majority will watch the tv at night in with some 
uh, ambient light, but but not too bright. However, if if you're going to have your TV in your conservatory or you're watching on a, you got it opposite a window or or in a really bright room, then that's where having a bright image during the day helps combat that because it's not going to tie your eyes out because the room's already uh, saturated with light. So you need to get a little bit more light out of the TV. Um, so I think it's just important to say say that. Obviously, the other flip side of that is you can actually make your TV viewing even more comfortable by selecting the correct picture mode, which is cinema or THX or movie, and then using some bias lighting. And by bias lighting, that is um, a light that's that's um, not too bright. Hopefully, I don't want to get too technical and say 6500 Kelvin because people won't, unless you're a real tech head, you won't really get that. But not a bright light, but a light behind the TV um, will also help uh, with viewing and with eye fatigue. And it'll actually make your black levels look even better than they actually are. Yeah, it's actually uh, all a trick in the book, isn't it, Phil? A bit of bias lighting makes everything look better. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you can you can spend a fortune buying, you know, more expensive TV or something in pursuit of dark, deeper blacks. But actually, one of the easiest ways of doing it is just to put a little bit of bias light in your lounge, um, ideally probably just behind the screen, and uh, it will make your blacks look blacker. Should I walk around with, with a small lamp on, on my rear collar then to make me look a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's the oldest trick in the book and and one thing um that i use it for is with the computer screens that i'm looking at for 14 hours a day having some light <laughs> behind them um and and having the room not too bright uh, actually helps with the eye it keeps the eye so you don't get fatigued your eye doesn't get get sore looking at monitors which are obviously calibrated but having that little bit of light behind them helps um, well, do they do they get okay? Now here's another another thing. How how uh, how damaging can it be to have an overly bright image? You said that they they can get sore. Can you can we go as far as eye strain, headaches? Well, Will your I, head explode? Where you know <laughs> what happens? Well, unfortunately, nobody's done any definitive research in this area. Now you you will find papers from uh, a trauma is it autromatists? Is that the correct term for optometrists? Op yeah. Optrom Opticians, let's keep opticians. it nice and simple. Opticians, eye right? Eye people. Um, eye. You, you will find research um, which, which looks at that, not specifically TVs, but, but certainly lighting conditions and how that affects the eye and so on. Um, certainly for uh, flash photography and that kind of thing, there's been a lot of uh, research into that. You can kind of pull everything together and just your own experiences um, and just asking other people what their experiences are. I think you can build up a general picture. I think it's safe to say, certainly through the experiences that I've had, and I don't want to speak for the other guys, but I'm sure we've all had similar experiences where um, maybe they're not saying that they have eye strain, but people complaining that well that's that was too bright or um I, I felt tired after watching it and so on i think there's enough circumstantial evidence there at the minute but it needs somebody i think to do a proper study on this and uh, you you need you would need to bring in about three or four different fields and expertise to do that which is maybe why it hasn't quite been done yet I'm quite happy to live with the anecdotal evidence, and we've got that personally here as well. Vicky, my wife, the co-owner of AV Forums, uh, was was um, complaining that she she got headaches if she was working at the computer for too long. I had a quick look. I mean, she didn't tell me this, of course, until she'd been doing it for ages. Um, 
and told me I had a quick look. Yeah, the uh, her computer monitor was set way too bright. I turned the brightness down, and 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 now I'm getting several more hours out of her at the computer. <laughs> so that, uh, anecdotally, I mean, well, just in in our own situation here, I mean, I I can say, you know, our experience is in a quite unscientific uh, way, but still, I'm convinced that um, her monitor being too bright um, gave her headaches. And yep. Well, there's no difference between a computer monitor and a TV from that point of view, is there? No, and um, it's like like Steve's already mentioned. You know, if you if you're sitting in a darkened room and the TV's going from bright to dark to bright to dark, bright to dark, you don't realise that your eyes doing it. You don't know when your when your pupils opening or closing. I mean, it it does it automatically, and the eye doesn't look at one thing. Um, and this again, this is counterintuitive, but your eye is never staring statically at something for any more than than a few milliseconds your eye is actually darting around um whatever it is that you're looking at to build up a picture of what it is that you're looking at so if you're bombarding it with light and your eye is doing its natural thing then i i I just think it makes complete sense that it's gonna it's not gonna do you any damage in terms of long-term damage but it's certainly gonna make your eyes strained and possibly give you a headache yeah, I think Stuart said, you know, I mean, there may not be that much research into it, but anecdotally, I think we've all experienced, particularly with computer monitors, where you've been sat maybe staring at them for long periods of time doing some work, you, you end up, you know, with, with either with a headache or, or tired eyes, or you just need a break. And, you know, as Stuart said, a TV monitor or, or a, a computer monitor, they're basically the same thing, you know, they're showing an image and, and, and the brighter it is, the more likely you are to, to get, get eye strain from staring at it. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's a light box. Um, just, but just moving things back just quickly because this is going to be the one major bit of feedback that we are anticipating from Picture Perfect, and that is the the whole. Well, the picture's a lot dimmer now. Um, it's supposed to be dimmer. Uh, it's just that we're, we're we're used to brighter images, um, and and that's what the public have been fed. And I can't remember who came up with the analogy um, the other day when we were discussing this. Uh, uh, campaign um, but it's a bit like cut on, on a sunny day going from the sunshine outside and then walking into the bar which is uh, which is dark and in the shade um, and it takes it takes a few seconds for your eyes to adjust for your iris to adjust for you to 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 then get the light levels in the room to make out what's actually in there and I thought that was a a really good analogy of what you're doing by taking it from dynamic into cinema Give it time. Give your eyes time. Uh, would would that be fair, Steve? Absolutely. For that, that in fact, is a very good analogy, and, uh, and one that happens to me quite a bit when it's a sunny day and I walk into the home cinema, which is pitch black and I literally can't see a thing. Um, yeah, it, take, it takes time for the eye to adjust, uh, and it will. I mean, the eye will adjust. It's like anything. You know, over time, it, it, it adjusts to whatever becomes the norm. And if you're watching an overly bright image, your eye will have adjusted to that, albeit uncomfortably so. Um, but go back to a, a, a properly set up image. Um, that, that's perhaps a bit dimmer, your eye will again adjust to that and then that will become the norm. Go back to a, an overly bright, vivid image and you'll find it to be incredibly uncomfortable and, and, and unpleasant to look at because your eye will have adjusted to what is actually a more accurate image. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Phil. It doesn't just apply to your eyes either, does it? Because, I mean, if you think about it, um, if if um, you're in a, an environment that's very, very loud, say at a, a concert or something like that, um, you know, it takes your ears a while to, to adjust back to to uh, in a quiet environment. 
I think even the analogy with a driving a, driving on a motorway. If you're used to driving at <clears throat> 70 miles an hour for several hours, and then you you th- drive onto B roads, uh, you know, poodling along at 25, 30 miles an hour seems incredibly slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the best example is an alarm clock. When you when you wake when it goes off in the morning to wake you up, it sounds unbelievably loud because the ambient noise, you know, background noise in the room is very low. But after you've got up and started to get in, getting dressed and the, the radio is still on, it doesn't sound anywhere near as loud as it did when it woke you up because you know, you've adjusted to it. So I, that's one of the, the important factors of the Picture Perfect campaign. Hopefully that message uh, will get across. Hopefully people will give it time when they switch from dynamic mode to cinema mode and and just give it a, give it a chance. Give it a couple of days, maybe not even that, like Stuart says, give it a few hours. Um, sit and watch some content on it, and then try going back to to vivid mode. And I think you know, with the with the side by side videos we've done and your own experiences, hopefully you'll see that we uh, we are onto something with this, and, and it is good advice. And uh, the other thing that uh, there is a major problem, and this is going to sound terrible, but I was in the takeaway tonight, and I actually asked the owner for his remote control because the TV in his in, in his... so, so you need to get out more. You need to get some hotel rooms as well. He, does. he gets out all the time. It's just only the takeaway. No, that's not true. It's only only tonight I was there because we were recording this, and um, yeah, I took his remote control and put it in the right aspect ratio because everybody was Gary Lineker had a, an, an onion shaped head. Um, <laughs> you know, he almost looked like Stewie Griffin, um, and and this is a major problem again for for TVs um, and that's aspect ratio and the correct aspect ratio is something we touched on earlier um, there's all different kinds of names um, some TVs in 16 by 9 mode will be right some TVs in 16 by 9 mode will be completely wrong because they're, they're zooming right. the image in and you're actually losing detail at the side you're not only that but if it's an HD signal the TV's actually scaling that image and, and it's adding again things that shouldn't be there like artifacts and so on so this is a tough subject. This was the one video where I was dreading putting it together, but once once you get the information there, it should be quite simple to, to understand, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's very easy to demonstrate to somebody if you're standing next to them with a TV and certain test patterns. You can show them the effect of changing the aspect ratio from one setting to the other. Um, and they go, I've done it quite a few times with friends and family. You know, I've set up a, a test pattern. I've shown them it with with one aspect ratio, change it, and they can see the difference in that test pattern immediately. And they go, oh, my God. Um, unfortunately, it's quite difficult to explain that, uh, either in writing or, or, or in, in a short video. But, but I mean, we've all experienced this. I'm sure everyone's done this, where you've gone to someone's house and the aspect ratio on the TV has been set up wrong. And as you say, everyone's tall and thin or short and fat. Um, uh, that's one problem. Or as you say, there's a more subtle problem, which is when they've got uh, a, the wrong aspect ratio for a high definition image and they're losing some of the image detail. The problem isn't helped by the fact that every manufacturer, almost to a manufacturer, uses a different name for the correct setting, um, unfortunately. So there's about five or six different, at least five or six different names that are used for, for so there are things like just scan, screen fit, pixel to pixel, dot by dot, 16 to 9, which also gets confusing because there are other times when 69 means something completely different. So, you know, it's no, no, not surprising really that the poor, the poor consumer, you know, hasn't got a clue. Uh, and if, if, if nothing else, if this campaign gets people to set their high-def TVs to the right setting for high-def images, at least they'll actually be seeing a high-def image. Because up to now, if they haven't got it set correctly, 
they're not actually seeing a high definition. They're, they're losing some of that high definition detail because of, as you said, Phil, the picture being zoomed into. You see, it's one of these subjects, and it's all about fitting rectangles into squares or squares into rectangles. And like you said, Stuart, um, it's either a square or a rectangle. But then you've got cinema on top of that with, with uh, CinemaScope, which is even wider than the 16 by 9 frame. And you get the black bars top and bottom, and people wonder why Why have I suddenly got black bars top and bottom when I watch my Blu-ray? I want to zoom that out. Um there's all kinds of different issues with it, and it, and I think it's it's a shame that there's so many options to get wrong when it comes to aspect ratios. And believe it or not, and I'll put my hands up to this, sometimes I'll get a product in and I'm like, what the hang is going on here because none of these look right. Um, <laughs> and it's only till you get a test pattern out and something you're familiar with in terms of a test pattern and actually go through them and then you can see what it's actually doing because some of them are so close yet... They're yeah. actually doing all sorts of different stretches. I mean, there's one mode on one Maker TV. I can't remember what it, what it was now, but it was basically a four by four by three mode. But what it did was it created the instead of having black bars, it created the picture by stretching it at the sides. Yeah, which was really weird. It's pretty um, obvious though when you got when you got scrolling. Um, take a take. Sony do that. Yeah, and, and again, it's like why. Um, uh, and I guess it doesn't help having various different sources, like say CinemaScope on on Blu-ray, four by three TV, especially if it's US TV. Still, a lot of US TV produced in four by three. I guess we've been lucky in the UK that the BBC moved over to to widescreen. Like you say, they went fourteen nine, then sixteen nine, um, fairly early on. And, and uh, in terms of a country, I think uh, we were quite advanced when it came to widescreen TVs. Certainly, yeah. when you looked at markets like the states, um, where you know broadcast stayed four by three for a long time, so people stayed four by three with with their TVs for a long time before they they actually went sixteen nine. So it's a really complicated subject, and I can see why the consumer gets confused because I've seen it at times where I've been confused with with a new TV that I've not seen before and trying to go through the modes and, and things can look really confusing. And they don't help themselves sometimes because they bury them so far down. Like the Sony TVs, the modern Sony TVs, to get the pixel matching in there, you have to dive through about five layers of menu to actually enable it. It's ridiculous. So how good a job then do you think we've done with the Picture Perfect campaign to um, help people get the right aspect setting on their TVs? Uh, for for HD, it makes total sense, um, and and we took a, a really long time with this one. Um, I think uh, I think we were still having conversations over the script at twelve o'clock at night one night, um, and then I started editing because uh, not only were we up against the clock, it was just such a complicated subject to try and make simple. And I would like to think we've done an all right job with it, but hopefully people will feed back uh, under this podcast or feedback in the Picture Perfect uh, forum what their thoughts are on the video. But it, it's just one of those subjects that um, even typing an explanation on a forum to a question can uh, introduce more questions than answers. It's just one of those subjects that really can get really confusing really quickly. I think ha- having videos helps. It really does. Um, that sh- in the picture, uh, video three of uh, step one, video three of the campaign, where we're doing the aspect and we start off by zoom- zooming the image in, in different ways. Um, 
you know, it's it, perhaps um, people might need to have a look at that video a couple of times. Hopefully not, but it does. The video itself does illustrate how the image is squeezed or stretched or zoomed, um, with with you know a loss of picture quality, a loss of detail in, yeah. in every instance of that. Yeah, it, it's one of these things that is a hangover um, from the broadcast world. Um, and, and even now you see issues because uh, technically there's nothing stopping us now by putting uh, your TV into um, uh, pixel mapping one by one, whatever it is, to fit the HD image to, to the HD panel. Um, there's, there's nothing actually stopping you having your, your TV um, set-top box do scaling or let the TV do the scaling, but there's nothing wrong, or there certainly shouldn't be anything wrong with upscaling standard definition material and making it fit. But the problem is that with all these different channels like Dave and Reality and Really and no cares taking over how that image is broadcast, a lot of them stretch the image in the broadcast. A lot of them have uh, old transmission data that turns up in the top or in the bottom or even at the sides of the images if you have the TV in uh, in the... Uh, um, there's that many names for it. I'm getting myself confused now. Uh, in the uh, dot by dot or or, or the, the correct so pixel, pixel mapping. Pixel mapping. Yeah, if, if you had your TV in that all the time, then you're going to see the issues. And, and it's a question that comes up on the forums quite a bit. My TV's broken because I'm getting all this uh, noise or uh, moving uh, blocks outside the, the, the image. What's wrong with my TV? There's nothing wrong with the TV. It's it's the broadcasting. It's the fact that a lot of broadcasters take no care whatsoever in terms of how they're, they're broadcasting their material, which is why in that video we've had to say, if you're watching SD material, then have the pictures zoomed in slightly so you're getting rid of uh, the mess that broadcasters are making around about the image. But if it's a, an HD channel that you're watching, then yes, uh, stick it into pixel-by-pixel pixel mode or, or dot-by-dot dot or... Or so on, because then you're getting the full image. That's what's well, made it really complicated. Are, are people going to be bothered to to change the aspect ratio depending on whether they're watching SD or HD? I mean, are, will they even know when they're watching SD or HD? We well, see that's a, that's another issue that we've had to take on board uh, when we've done this campaign, when we've put the campaign together, when we've written the text, when we've done the videos. There's so many variables, Stuart, that um, trying to hit a happy medium where you're given good information and it's going to be applicable to, to everybody. Um, when it comes to aspect ratios, it's it's one of those that people are still going to be a little bit confused about. And um, hopefully they'll know it's an HD image because most HD channels now have HD dogs, um, digital on-screen graphics uh, somewhere in the image that says BBC One HD or BBC HD or ITV One HD or whatever, Sky Sports HD. Okay, well, for clarification then, I've got a Sky Plus HD box here. What you've just said there to me then implies that if I'm watching normal BBC, that's going to be an SD, and I have to change to BBC HD to get an HD signal. Yes. But in fact, the Sky, a Sky Plus HD box is always outputting 1080i HD. Yeah, but it's still upscaled. It's upscaled, yes, but as far as the TV is concerned, it's getting a... Yes, yeah, I see Stuart's point is absolutely correct. Yes. If, the, if most of your source material is going to be either native high def or scaled up to high def by the, by the device, like Blu-ray player, DVD player, or Skybox, for example, then the best rule of thumb is to always leave your TV 
in the pixel mapping mode. No. In, in a dot by dot mode. No. Why not? Because then uh, when you go into really or Dave or whatever, you're going to see the picture noise. You're going to see yeah, the I, transmission. I, I, I always leave stuff. mine in pixel mapping. Phil. I never change it. And I just put up the crappy TV. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm the same. My box is 1080 uh, all the time. And that's how I watch it. And and, and to be honest, there's not a lot of, a lot of times that I watch the, the channels that are guilty of of it. But it's one it's of quite, these... It's quite often the outside broadcast cameras, isn't yeah. it? With the used stations. But, but the one thing is that with the mass market, and certainly even with forum members, the questions keep coming up. My TV's broken because I'm getting all this junk at the side of the image. When it's not the TV at all, it's because they have their skybox at 1080. They have their, their TV set up to accept a 1080 signal, uh, but the broadcasters are letting people down because the, the crap is still at the edges of the picture. Is it worth just explaining to, to listeners what this crap is, why it's there? Well, it's a, a throwback to analog broadcasting and certainly CFAX and, and teletext. Basically, because we we used to be in a, a standard definition world before we moved over to flat panel TVs, um, they, they could hide a lot of content in an image to send data over the air. Um, and that's what it was used for because all CRT TVs overscanned the image. So, so they were always zoomed in a certain amount. So overscanning um, is zooming in. Yeah. So M- making the image slightly bigger than the, than what you're seeing. Yes, and, and usually by about five to seven percent uh, is is the normal the norm for that. So in the in the days of CRT and analog broadcasting and so on, they used to hide all sorts of data at at the side of the screens that you never ever saw um, because the TV was zoomed in that way and and there was no way of changing it back in the, in the days of CRT. So you never saw that that data. It's a bit like um, if even if you watch ITV now, when it's coming up to the adverts, you get the little black and white box yeah. uh, that tells you that the adverts are coming up. It's that type of thing. It's messaging over the air, but they used to hide it at the edge of the pictures. And some broadcasters, even though we're, we're in a, a state now where we have flat panel TVs, we have 1080 panels, and you can upscale to 1080, that junk is still going to be there on certain channels, certain programs, and so on. Um, the other thing uh, they, they used to do as well Certainly in the early days of flat panel TVs, a lot of broadcasters introduced uh, a thing where they actually have a black border, which is slightly out of focus all the way around the, the image. Sometimes if it's, a, if it's an old TV program and you've got your box set to 1080 and you've got it in the correct mode to get all 1080 on screen, you're going to see that as well. You're going to notice that the, the edges are uh, slightly out of focus uh, around the edges of the image. And and the other thing is that when you have your box set to HD and you watch something like an old episode of The Simpsons on Sky One HD, you'll get black bars at the side of the image because it's a four by three format, and the black bars are there and they should be there. But again, the public complain about that. Why is the black bars on my TV? So in a nutshell, um, what what? So we we've talked about uh, picture modes and by default they out of the box they come in vivid or dynamic or something like that what mode do tvs come to uh, set to out of the box as far as the aspect ratio the picture size is concerned is it auto they tend to have a default of either auto which means it automatically selects an aspect ratio to suit the material which sounds great in principle you're thinking okay well is that that's the ideal thing is i haven't got to do anything automatically selects it but generally automatically selects some kind of zoomed in image um so it's problematic when you're watching high definition content but they tend to be either auto or sometimes 16 to 9. Yeah, it, it can depend on the picture. It varies. As well, can't it? Yeah. yeah, it does vary. So, it does depend on the, 
So chances are that the out-of-the-box, most people's TVs, for watching high-definition material at least, are in the wrong picture size setting. Yeah, they'll all have... uh, I know we're trying to avoid the word overscan, but they all will have... uh, They won't be displaying the full pixel image. Because it goes back to the reasons that Phil's just mentioned, which is, again, on a shop floor, you don't want people seeing junk at the edge of the transmission seat. Sorry, like Phil said earlier, they they don't want the customer services calls, you know, ringing up saying there's something wrong with the TV. It's it's safer for them to have overscan enabled as, as default. Yeah. So, so the message of the Picture Perfect campaign, step one, is to, uh, as well as get the right picture mode, is to get the right picture size. But uh, and that means, um, but we're talking specifically about HD um, a signal coming in now, aren't we? Because, uh, and are we asking people to keep swap pressing the aspect button to swap between? Um, standard definition and high definition at door. Do we recommend that they they stay on the high definition, and and appreciate that if they get junk around the edge of the screen, you know, um, it's it's worth living with. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a choice. At the end of the day, they have the choice that they can they can press the aspect button. Uh, most remote controls have a direct aspect button on there. If they feel they can't put up with the junk around about the screen, then they can always put. It, put the overscan back on while they watch that program but i guess in general and certainly what we said in the video although we specified it's for hd material if if your skybox is upscaling to 1080 or whatever and you can put up with watching really i mean are you really going to watch really yeah, it doesn't happen very often at all really I, you know yeah. it, it, it does depend i think on what channels you tend to watch I mean, I, I, uh, Vicky and I, we, we, we enjoy watching um, things like oh, um, Spartacus and uh, Game of Thrones we've been watching. Now, Game of Thrones has uh, BlackBerry ads. Um, BlackBerry sponsors Game of Thrones. And I've noticed in that BlackBerry ad that, that there's a little white line down the left-hand side. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a BlackBerry ad. Yeah. Um, and and I've, I've thought, oh, God, that, that does... But that's obviously because we're watching it in, in pure on our Curo, and we're seeing a little bit of junk down the left-hand side there. Yeah, and, and that's that's a good point you just raised there, and that's another one that, that, that should be made. If your TV uh, has a, a mode like pure or THX, then overscan is automatically switched off in those modes, as are all the other useless marketing things like dynamic contrast and so on. Um THX mode and and certainly on the pioneers like you have uh, Stuart pure mode, um, and I think the new Panasonics have a direct mode. Am I right, guys? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're in those modes, then usually overscan is switched off, and you're seeing the image as pure as possible, and it will fit the screen properly. So that's the option to go for if it's on your TV. Yeah, definitely, and and just be aware that now and again, certainly uh, satellite broadcasts and that kind of thing, like the. Not your main Sky Ones and so on. They don't tend to, to make mistakes, but certainly the other channels like Dave and Really and, and Living and, and that kind of thing, you will see it now and again. And and especially with older TV programmes that have been repeated, i.e. Dave, um, which will have been made in different formats. If 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 we were to, to wave a magic wand, right, and, and tellies could do everything that we wanted them to do, and be, let's face it, one thing that's come out of this podcast is that, is that uh, tellies, I think, are more complicated than they need to be. It'd be great if manufacturers could get together and, and agree some uh, standard naming conventions for a start. 
Um, but then obviously we've got the problem with broadcast material being, you know, different uh, aspects and having different sources and stuff. If we could wave a magic wand and have it so that tellies um, did everything they need to be needed to do to, to be right out of the box with regard to aspect ratio, what would happen? We'd be, we'd all be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> Because there would be no need for AV forums and there'd be no need for reviews or anything like that because everything would be the same. In terms of aspect ratio, what would tellies do? <laughs> well, you see, I think some manufacturers have tried to solve the problem with these auto modes, it's, but it keeps coming back to broadcast. Broadcast is the problem, and broadcast is always going to be the problem because you've got your publicly funded bodies like the BBC who can afford the latest cameras, the latest HD equipment, uh, 4K. They're even doing 8K for the Olympics. It's a closed, closed room uh, experiment, but uh, they're publicly funded. They can afford that. And then you got your other channels like Dave and Really and so on, who are running on 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 a tight budget, and they really don't care about quality. Well, that's a bit harsh. Well, it's about that's selling. True, true. It, it's a, it's about selling advertising space. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, just because you got 200 channels doesn't say they have to be any good. Uh, you know, used yeah. to moment when we only had three or four, but at least they were three or four good channels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are quality channels like BBC Three, BBC Four, but again, publicly funded, and they have the best equipment. Uh, they always update their equipment. Um, they're always updating their encoders and stuff like that. They, they're at the cutting edge. Uh, Sky, to a certain extent, they put a lot of money into their broadcast. A lot of their broadcast, outstanding quality, like the football and sports coverage. I mean, they really changed the game. In terms of covering football matches, they they it used to be four cameras, and they introduced what what is it now twenty odd cameras and three D and, uh, but again it's a broadcast world it's a hangover from the broadcast world and it's it's basically the channels that run on a shoestring, uh, where selling advertising is a little bit more important than the actual quality that they're putting out and that's where the whole aspect thing sadly falls down because you get the junk and everything else. Um, so just to wrap this up for this evening, uh, we have gone slightly over time, but I think it's an interesting subject. Hopefully your listeners are still with us and uh, taking on board the information that's being given here and on the uh, Picture Perfect website, which the address is my uh, myperfectpicture.tv. See, I got it right in the end. So Stuart, what are you hoping that people get out of this? Well, uh, I hope that they uh, manage to... Um um, successfully improve the pictures on their TVs. That's that's the whole point. Obviously, we we can't cater for every single TV, every single scenario. But we've got the forums to back up uh, any deficiencies there. If if people have got specific uh, questions, if they need specific help, then um, the forums are there for us to help them with that. We can hopefully increase the number of people who've got a, a more accurate TV and are watching programs and content, movies. Uh, in the way that that's the director originally intended them to be watched. If, as as a side effect, um, people end up using um, less electricity because um, they're using less energy to power the the TVs, and maybe re- having a, a lower risk of um, eye strain, maybe um, tired eyes at least, then those are lovely benefits of of having nice nicely set up TVs. So by doing this, Steve, uh, we're actually killing off calibration, aren't we? We're killing off yeah, the yeah. professional calibration. Yeah, I have a job. <laughs> Hopefully, at the end of this, uh, from this campaign, people will 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 learn that um, that their TVs, um, whilst they might appear quite complex, actually, with a couple of very simple steps, 
you can get a very accurate picture from your TV. Just it will take you less than a minute to go into the menu, to select picture mode, select cinema or movie or THX, whichever one's available, uh, press enter, and that's it. And that took, what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds to do? And then hopefully uh, select the correct aspect ratio for whatever content you're watching. And in those two simple steps, which will take you less than a couple of minutes, and you will have a picture that's 80% of, of, you know, of, of perfection, really. I mean, you're all so close with only two simple steps. Uh, and people probably don't, probably don't understand that or don't know that more to the point. Uh, I mean, definitely for me, it's about raising awareness. Uh, I certainly think that's, that is the core of this. And um, I don't know if you guys will agree, but I think step one is the important one because it's so simple to do, Mark. And like Steve says, it takes 30 seconds and they're going to see the biggest benefit. Yeah, that's it. I think, I think when it gets more advanced, you sort of... Um... It's just sort of minor changes built building on top More of the diminishing world. returns, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. But these 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 ones, the picture mode and the aspect, will, are, are instant instant to see and, and highly beneficial. And we mentioned it right at the start, Stuart. Um, but I guess we've got to thank them again for coming on board and endorsing the campaign. But I've really been quite surprised with uh, almost every TV manufacturer in the UK behind this, as well as THX, Spectracal, ISF. And then retailers like Argos, TPS, and and distributors like Genesis. Up to now, those are our our supporters, and we're hoping more people will come on board. Um, but it's great to see the industry come together with this. Yeah, I think uh, everybody appreciates um, the importance of having a, a correctly set up TV. The the uh, manufacturers, of course, want people to enjoy their TVs and by increasing awareness of how important it is to have a correctly set up TV and supporting us in this way it's it's a great help uh, hopefully we can we can achieve the the goal all of us working together so yeah we we're very pleased obviously and grateful to all our supporters for coming on board it's fantastic and uh, hopefully together we can we can get some good results out of this campaign if you want the latest news on the Picture Perfect campaign or what we're up to at AV Forums, latest reviews coming up uh, and so on. Then don't forget we're on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, regular updates on, on all of uh, what's on AV Forums. That's at AV Forums on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash AV Forums on Facebook. And uh, lots more news to come out about the Picture Perfect campaign. So keep an eye on the homepage. Uh, this is going to last the whole summer. We hope you're going to get involved. And we really want your feedback. Uh, there is a Picture Perfect forum in the TVs area, is that correct, Stuart? Yep, that's right. Uh, it's uh, the top one underneath TVs. So get yourselves along there. If, if you have changed your picture presets and so on and you, you, you like it, or even if you don't like it, come and tell us why. Uh, give us your feedback on this. Uh, and let's, make, uh, let's, let's make, make this beneficial for everybody. And, of course, there's lots of help available on AV forums and where we can get involved myself Mark and Steve uh, will try and help out with any of the technical issues that that you may have with your particular TV that you can't find the answers to on the Picture Perfect website that's all we got time for on the Home Cinema Podcast this month thanks very much for listening and uh, my thanks to Stuart Wright Steve Withers and Mark Hodgkinson thanks guys thank you very much Phil this is Phil Insane thanks for listening we'll see you again next month The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.